the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. Another great evening of talking about healthcare, Larry. Yes, we've got a good show today. Good show indeed. I tell you, I want to start off with a little uh, feel-good story. We talk about a lot of tough stuff and a lot of, you know, it's so expensive, it's so hard to get good care, a lot of the negative side. So I had a visit today, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, at a place called Grace Medical Home. Yes. And so Grace Medical Home is a really unique, unfortunately unique, a uh, situation where uh, phys- a, a physician, a friend of mine, uh, who was a pediatrician, uh, went out uh, and decided he was going to start a delivery system for those who could not get insurance. Who had so, no insurance. And would take okay. no money. So right. they're not going to take any money from a patient. Okay. And they're not going to take any money from an insurance company. Wow. And sh- so you think, well, like, who are those people? Yeah. Well, Larry, we talk about those people every time we, we talk do. about Obamacare. It's yes. the same group yes. that was uninsured. Yep. And who it's don't about have a fourth of the population. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's a there's a big base. Now there's there's certain requirements that they have to fulfill as far okay. as poverty level comparisons and that kind of yep. thing because they are they are covered by the state, not financially, right. but legally to deliver this care. Right. Uh they're run they have a, mostly a volunteer staff. Okay. Um I should have asked them how many how many square feet, but they just moved into a new facility a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. uh, right right downtown. It's beautiful. So it's located it's in huge. downtown Orlando? Yep, downtown Orlando. Okay. Okay. Um, just a block off Colonial. Okay. And great location is, for that. Oh, it is ama- I mean yeah. just flat amazing. The people wow. and the the people I met were you know, each group in each section. They had like a mental health session. They mm-hmm. had they had a pediatrics, they had an adult care, they had an orthopedics area they had radiology yep. every every room they would say oh well this person works here and these four yep. people are volunteers and they run all week long mm-hmm. they actually have some volunteer physicians to come in in the evenings yep. and it's just amazing Larry. dr mark you have just described something that is going to really improve health equity and health disparity in this country in a whole different model than all the other things that we've talked about. Right. And they, they set up yeah. their, their discussion. We had a, I was there five minutes before social determinants of health was discussed. Right. And, right. you know, so they, they set up all these systems that are so crucial and what, what needs to happen, Larry? I mean, this is fantastic for the Orlando area. It is. They serve tens of thousands of uh, people. Okay. They okay. told me that the average patient they see has 11 visits a year with them. Wow, almost 11 one a month. visits a year. Almost once I mean, a month. That, yeah. When was the last, how many visits did you right. have with your primary care doc? 
two. Right. So, yeah. so you know, so it's really an amazing longitudinal follow-up kind wow. of thing. So that's why it's called a medical home. So it's truly managing chronic illnesses. Right. Then. So so it's not yeah. a medical home. No, they're not living there. Right. But it's that. Right. It, it's sort of that basis for what yeah. Medicare said. Are do you qualify as yeah. a medical home? And they yeah. are a non-Medicare yeah. true medical home. It's Sounds just like a little bit about amazing. we care here in the Orlando, in Florida. Well, you see, know, we care is just where physicians. Uh, you know, volunteer right, right. their time to, so, to so see the, patients. So the difference is this is longitudinal care. This is right. actually a clinic that sees you as a patient time and time again, as opposed to, which is great. Anybody that's going to mm-hmm. volunteer time is fantastic. Yep. But but what needs to happen to continue to drop that number of people that have that healthcare is just completely unavailable to yes. is they have to expose this model and have right. people go off into their practices in their cities yep. and say, Gee, this is what I want to do. Right. And they're doing right. it. Right. They're practicing medicine. They, and, they, are, and they are surviving. It is funded by federal and state no, dollars? No, no, no. Oh. It's, it's funded by, by charitable dollars. Okay, all foundational uh, funding. Foundational funding. Okay. I okay. didn't ask them if there was any government funding, but okay. I, I, I don't okay. believe that there is. Wow. And, and, but, but no money comes in from it's the patients. phenomenal, yeah, Dr. It's, Mark. It's beyond. And, and I've yeah. always known he was there. Mm-hmm. It's Dr. Hardy. He, he's a pediatrician. Okay. I, I knew that he did this when he was yep. in he was in practice and decided for thought about it for a long calling. time. This yep. is going to do yep. and and man, it is just amazing. Now he has a whole group of physicians. Um, he has okay. several full time physicians and lots of volunteers. You think we could get him on the show? We talked about that, and he pointed okay. he pointed at his chief executive officer. I so figured maybe he you, would come there. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I said, you know, well, you know, would you want to get the word out? And the reality is. Yeah. They're seeing about as many patients as they can possibly see. Yeah, yeah. They're getting good support. Like they, they, it's not like they're looking for extra money, mm-hmm. but but they do always need medical support, nurses and doctors. They have a okay. dental clinic there. Wow, I mean, it was incredible. So I, it's I think called that, Grace Medical. Grace Medical Home. Grace Medical yep. Home. Yeah, just in downtown I, Orlando. I tell you, and and if okay. anybody's looking for a, a charity to donate to, yep. I would point them that way all day long. They are they are just. It's an incredible organization. I just, Dr. Mark, I, hopefully a, our listeners, good. and, and uh, thanks for bringing that today because I was not aware of this organization. Yeah, and, I'm, and there may be more organizations yeah. like this. And I, and I guarantee that you know some of the physicians that actually go and I'm give sure some time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, it was really any, any, we talk about physician burnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, just burnout, oh, yeah. burnout We're going to talk providers. about that today. Are we going to talk about yeah. that today? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, this is something that can really if, if right. cure it turn it around you know certainly have an impact on it yep. because it's truly delivering medicine okay. for cares sake and cares okay. sake alone well let me ask you this dr hardy obviously he was a pediatrician right. practicing mm-hmm. and he has basically retired and doing this now no or? no no he's he's a pediatrician oh, he's doing still this. practicing as oh, well he still okay. practices and okay. he and he has administrative duties as well okay yeah okay. no he's, he's younger yeah. than i am he's not ready oh, to retire okay. Okay. and he started this just a few years out in wow. practice now this was this was really a calling for him and now i think he has recognized that the next step is you know he is to teach is to right. teach others to do this yes. and to show as an example this is possible yep. you can move pick pick your city mm-hmm. and you can deliver care for as many people as you can work work it through you start small and Fantastic. it grew and he'll tell you that he didn't imagine it was going to get this this big and this yeah. comprehensive uh, how many and, how many patients do you think they see a month did you get any number uh, on they, that I, you know what they did i think they told me they're seeing over 
and over in, in the year, they're seeing mm-hmm. well over 11,000 patients. And I, I don't, I didn't take notes and I don't so want to misquote. Pretty much close to a thousand patients a month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a that lot of right. patients. No, they're, they're seeing, they're seeing a lot of folks wow. and, and, you know, folks, the, the people that absolutely have need that yep. would, would yep. either not seek care or they would get their care in an emergency room at a and, and tremendous I, cost. Right. And, and I tell system. you, this yep. won't surprise you to find out where a lot of their patients come from. A lot of their patients come from the hospitals where they go into the ER and they refer and, them there, and they refer them there yeah. because they have a problem. They're self-pay, but no insurance, but no insurance. Yeah. Right. And they're just not going to be able to get anything done if it's not life threatening right. at the time. Right. So they, they get into this grace system mm-hmm. and they're cared for. And then when there's something that, that one of their patients needs, or they, they told me it was something very interesting. They, uh, they can draw labs. Okay. That order labs. Okay. And they have a an, an opportunity with each of the the big medical facilities in okay. town that they're going to do this week that that hospital is going to do our labs for free. Okay. This week the other hospital is, and they go back and forth. Now there's a okay. certain volume that the, they're allowed to give, but so that partnership that they have, right? You know, with with the community, right, is crucial. I mean, and and all you know, the hospital systems all support them. They have a lot of lots of other groups of support, but just they're just doing it. So well, well this is and so exciting, Doctor Mark, because now you're talking about something. When when you mentioned eleven visits a year on average, yeah, that's now we're talking about the uninsured managing chronic illnesses. That's exactly and you right. You and I both know that's exactly that's right. The biggest part of the system they have their their mental health clinic has yeah. a, has a volunteer psychiatrist has okay. two psychologists, wow. a licensed uh, medical or I'm sorry, social work, and they they have interns. Yeah. And they're they're doing they're doing the the work of I mean they're, it's yeah. it's saintly man I mean yeah. it was just just amazing and I think how did you the run model, across this Well I said I've known him for years Oh you've known yeah, him Yeah I, I met Hardy. him okay. We actually went to college at the same place at different times College and Med School okay. at Emory and okay. so when he came to town his colleagues introduced me and said Hey well you know, I'm a pediatric surgeon he's a pediatrician right. so we got to know each other and right. then a few years down the road I had heard that he was leaving the practice mm-hmm. to start grace and i i don't know okay. it was called medical home at the time okay but and i knew it was going to be you know larry we talked about it's, it's a free clinic we talk it's a about free this clinic. stuff all it's the a, time yeah, it's a free clinic yep. Yep. but this was and has certainly become a just soup to nuts it that covers yeah. everything it takes care yeah. of this community's folks that cannot otherwise yeah. get health care right and and sounds it brings, like a county health department on steroids well is he had no you know what i mean it's nothing like a county health department right. it's 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 basically a medical clinic that does a everything home. Yeah. and and allows the patient to just work on through without having to worry about cash right they they have a, a volunteer ophthalmologist and optometrist okay. that'll come out they'll examine patients they have uh Donated is it mainly glasses. for kids or no, 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 is it no, no, it's no, everybody? No, it's everybody. It's okay. kids and adults. Okay. And I, I, I forget what the breakdown is, but I know mm-hmm. they're, they're, see they're more adult well. doctors okay. there so that they're uh, definitely – because if you think about it, most of the kids would qualify for Medicaid, right? Right. right. But if they are not born here in the U.S., yeah. or as you know, people, never people, people fall off Medicaid That's right. and just by not keeping up with the state's re- That's re- right. requirements – um, that they'll they'll miss out. Yep. So this means they can still get care, and it's it's just I don't know. It was it was heartwarming, yeah. and I would say that that the most important thing is to, to know it exists, yep. and to examine this for all my providers out there. Mm-hmm. Examine this as a way to, to b- give volunteer back. your time. To give back. It will yep. it will heal yep. you. 
I mean, I mean, you're going to be getting as much as you're giving. Right. And then the idea from my perspective of having students sure. showing them that this is a medical yes. model that can be throughout the country. And there's certainly others like this. I'm sure I've not in, seen them. What a great influencer, Dr. Mark. Oh, yeah. Particularly when you're leading students to become yeah. physicians. Right. And we're going to we're going to expose the students to this. Yeah. Kind of, and, and there are other there are other great organizations like you know shepherd's hope we talked yep, about we've talked so, about shepherd's so, hope you know they they take care they do yep. take some patients that have some coverage they and, do. and yep. but they're they're not and this is not a this is just talking about a difference not a, not right. one's better than the other right but but it's not they're not designed it's to be this models. longitudinal it's care models. and right and they're usually just open in the evening so from an educational yeah. standpoint plus i think it's not, if shepherd's hope if you can pay you do pay something that is correct yeah i think yeah. i think at this place they pay a, a, yeah. on a sliding scale from between five and twenty dollars right and, right. and at, 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 right. at grace as well right and and they have a pharmacy and you know most of their medications are are just given to them by the okay. different wow. either either by pharma. A little bit of it when I see some of the names of the contributors, it's a lot of the names of people that we've been screaming about because they're making so much money on the front end. Yep. And you know, yep. there's there's probably a reason for for giving. And otherwise, yep. you know, if you got you've got lots of money and you got a That's heart, okay. you should give. And you know, and and from the yeah. hospital standpoint. You know they they have to take care of these folks, and this is yeah. a way to sort of manage what their community yeah. give back is. Yeah. But it's all it's just all good. I don't want to get into the, no, the it's nuts okay. and bolts of it. Well, I know it's we're going to go to a, break, Doctor yeah. Mark. But you know, you, you hear the old saying: "To he who has been given much, much is expected." Absolutely. And I think that's where we're at with this program. Oh yeah, this is tremendous. This no, Grace great. Medical Home. We'll be talking more about that as we go. Absolutely. We'll try to get them on the show in the future. Okay. But like I say, they're the, knowing that they're out there is, is powerful. Yeah. Well, you know, this whole show that we created, Dr. Mark, is all about educating healthcare consumers and also having a discussion with all stakeholders, including stakeholders like Grace Medical, about how to navigate our complex healthcare system. Absolutely, Larry. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. We'll be, we'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You found Dr. Mark and Larry Jones here at the Healthcare Now studios, and we had a had a uh, improv first piece there. Yes. That was a nice discussion about uh, Grace Medical Home. Great discussion. And, yeah, it was great. And I, I mean, I kind of I kind of almost wanted to end the show with that, but uh, but I could I couldn't hold it in, Larry. I, I hear you. About it. I, it's, it's exciting, it's a great, Dr. Great Mark. Visit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So, but we're going to talk about a, uh, a 2022 physicians report, the top 10 yeah. issues facing physicians yeah. and providers this year. Right. And this is a survey done by medical economics mm-hmm. to talk about these 10 issues. And uh, I'll just throw the first one out there. All right. Burden of paperwork and quality metrics in value-based care, Dr. Mark. Right. So we've, we've talked about electronic medical records yes. a lot. And I will start by saying, yeah, we need them. Yep. Um, I will say that the way that we're going about getting a really strong EMR, electronic yep. medical records, yep. has been painful. Yes. I think the idea in the very beginning that, you know, if you sort of imagine that every one of us could have a little, a card or a fob yep. Yep. that no matter where we went, we could access our medical record. Right. So if so, if I was traveling or changing physicians yep. or going yep. to different hospitals, yep. that that would all be shared. And that it hasn't has really happened. hasn't happened. Well, aside and, from that, you know, years ago they talked about giving everybody a little disc, right, to carry on their keychain right. with their medical record. Right. That never happened. No. I think they call it a smart key yep. or a smart card. So the military remember toyed that? around with yeah. that a bit. Okay, and so our ID cards carried a certain amount of information. Okay, and okay. they tracked it, but they couldn't. You know, theoretically, when you're adding to that card, you're not. You're adding to a cloud base. And so that's something that's got to be downloaded and updated. Completely doable now. Yes. But with HIPAA and with issues with hacking, it's really been something that that just hasn't happened. And, you know, let's let's talk about that for a minute. You know, EHR is called Electronic Health Record, and that's your EMR system that physicians use. The EMR system that was developed 10 years ago, Dr. Mark, is not adequate for where healthcare has gone today in the value-based world. I, I, I would totally agree. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And I think that the issue from the beginning has been the developers of this product yep. didn't work with the physicians and providers and nurses that were going to have to use it. But value-based was not there at that time and either. Value-based right. and play it out. That's right. And so basically physicians under under uh, Obama, physicians mm-hmm. were told, got to do it. Yep. And and it probably wouldn't have even been a big deal if yep. it said, got to do it. But they yep. said, got to do it. It's going to save you time and That's save right. you money. That's right. And that is a lie and a lie. It is. Okay? And, and let me it, tell you, the... The EMR companies, even many years ago, even when I was in Washington, they used to come in and, and say, well, we've got an EMR system now that has bidirectional interoperability. Now, nope. let me repeat that, <laughs> bidirectional interoperability. You want to explain what that really means, Dr. Mark? Well, can it communicate with somebody else? And it or absolutely, everybody else. Yes. And, and the problem yep. is that everyone had proprietary information right. on their networks and no one would share data. That's right. So if you yep. developed a product that would bring in something new for, say, mental health, yep. Yep. you couldn't sell that product right. because you could only sell it to the one right. one group. I, yep. I'll tell you. So I got I got into my first EMR, uh-huh. and that you know, it was painful training my staff. Of course, it, it cost cash. The, it the took up, time. The up training on that is yeah. guess what? Very happened? difficult. Guess what happened? In less than a year, or less than a year and a half, mm-hmm. just a little over a year. That company said, "Yeah, we're not doing this anymore. A lot of we're, sh- we're shutting it down." Too. Well, they yeah. just shut it yeah. down. Wow! So I found the company that actually wrote the software and sold it off still existed. <clears throat> so I was able to get into them, but had to start out all over. I didn't have to learn right. relearn a lot of stuff because it was a lot of the same thing. Right. But 
they now have so much competition. And as you just mentioned, mergers and acquisitions. There is so much going on in this industry of EMR systems, Dr. Mark. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about uh, interoperability and particularly bidirectional, what that means is if I go and end up in an ER or even an imaging center that is completely separate from my physician, even if he's part of a hospital system, the information never gets back. A good yep. one example is these minute clinics. Yes. You go and you need a Z-Pack on a Saturday night, your primary care physician, good chance, he'll never know you did that. Never know you did that. And, That's and, right. and worse, you go to a hospital and you have an ultrasound or a CT scan or an MRI, yep. Yep. and then you end out getting that repeated when yep. you show up somewhere else. Absolutely. You know, maybe two days later in a different hospital with the same symptoms, yep. but the liability of not redoing the scan if That's you can't right. put your hands on the scan. And so so that was the idea that, that we needed to develop something. Yep. And I, I will say that, so in our town, mm-hmm. our two hospital systems that uh, that I've worked at, do they have mm-hmm. gone through a number of EMRs. They have. And, and interestingly... Just about a year and a half, two years ago, mm-hmm. one picked up a, a particular EMR yes. and, and spent really, a, I, yep. I, I think yep. it's like over $150 million. Yep. Maybe, maybe I could be really low on that for the size system it is. Yep. And, and it's estimated that in the first year, because of the transition of of accounts management, mm-hmm. that the hospitals will lose another $150 million. Right. So they're right. not doing right. this to get money up front. Right. They're doing this for the long game. And then the other major hospital system, mm-hmm. they had announced that they're going to look for a product. And right. and right. to my my excitement, I guess, the second one picked the same same company, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went through the training with the first group, mm-hmm. and it, I believe it was 16 or 18 hours of training for every, oh, yeah. it's every a, it's provider. A lot. It's a lot. And, you, and not only that, you lose revenue in your billing cycle when you're transitioning to a new EMR oh, system for sure. yeah, as so a you, physician. Absolutely. You know. So, and we had to go offsite and do this and sit yep. down and take, yep. and you know, they taught us what they taught us. And it was all good. And I thought, well, good, I'm going to get this out of the way. And then my mm-hmm. other hospital system's going to, and I'm going to be trained. Right. And, and the trainees went, oh no, <laughs> they said no, That's right. because even though it's yep. the same company, it's a different product. That's right. Now the one plus is the, the same company now has bi-directional communication. Right. So right. you can, if you're at either hospital, you can at least see yep. the information from any hospital that your patient has been to if right. it carries this group. And this right. group, I'm no. not dancing well, around Well, the Florida is. Health Information Exchange is also helping drive that information out of hospitals and out of labs, imaging, yeah, but you can't outpatient, get, back yeah, into you, the physician office. But you can office. only transfer things that are in a certain That's right. protocol and That's a right. certain yep. layout, whereas you can't do yep. an office, you know, you can't do yep. the office note, right. you can't do the operative yep. note. So a lot of things that have narrative, mm-hmm. if it's numbers or demographics, it's easy to share. Yeah. But outside of that, it's more complicated. And this this group, it's, it's actually a yep. privately held company. Mm-hmm. It was started by a single individual who got the idea, her name is uh, Judy Faulkner, mm-hmm. and she started Epic. Yes. And she is not a physician. I can't remember. I knew her background. Somebody had told me this. I, I didn't I didn't know we were going to talk about this she's today. She's the but CEO of Epic. She's yep. the CEO mm-hmm. and the founder, yep. right. and she's the owner. Yes. She's now worth $7.3 billion. You believe that? And I, I do because I see what, what her what market share. Yeah. She now has 33% of the hospital market share. And 250 million patients 
have some type of a record on an epic EHR system. Right. So that's almost everyone that's ever been to a hospital. That's right. You know, I mean, that's right. You know over a yeah. running period of time. And so the so the plus here is that it's going to be a product that certainly has some similarities. Without a doubt. And and I'm not going to, you know, they, they don't sponsor our show, so I'm not going to say they're great. And they don't yeah. sponsor our show, so I'm not going to say that they're terrible. But uh, it's just the way the way it is. It is it's a choice. It has to be made. Yeah. And we all do like the fact that we're going to be able to get data yeah. from any Epic system in the country. Mm-hmm. And as that yes. number, that that 33% hospital number goes up, yes. that's just more and more hospital. So so that's going in the right direction. But here's, here's what I'm going to tell you, Larry. Mm-hmm. You know she's going to sell it. She's, I, I can't imagine yeah. that that she's not even going to be allowed to get to 70%, Larry, or she'll be a monopoly. Exactly. Right? Well, you know, it's interesting. In 2020, Epic's annual revenue was over $3 billion. But in 2021, here's where I think the feds are going to get noticed on this. They they gained over almost 13,000 specialty hospital beds and 74 hospitals they added to their system in one year. So the only way that this this gets through, since it's multi-state, there's no way every state is going to ratify that a monopoly is going to be okay. Right. If the federal government steps in and says, this is what we're going yep. to use, yep. then I can see that being yep. an answer. But, you know, it, 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 I have to say it's kind of amazing that there's even an entity – that we're talking about that might do that. That's even actually, well, you know, the whole idea of value-based care and HHS, CMS, Medicaid, everybody is to build that bi-directional interoperability. Sure. But let me tell you a couple more stats on Epic. Over the last 10 years in a row, they've had greater than 15% growth each year. And this past fall, they picked up Walmart and they picked up Mayo Clinic. Right. We Two of about the largest. This. We talked about, you, we you did. said earlier, yeah. like the minute clinics, you couldn't communicate. That's right. Now they come on board, and they yeah. have the office covered as well, not just the That's hospital. That's right. That's right. So the the physicians that work for the hospital, their clinics have Epic. Yep. And the ones that work with the hospital, they'll have an option. They could have Epic office. They can tie their EMR to well, Epic they, no, no, they through the hospital. Well, they can't. Yep. They can't do that. They don't have that bidirectional to just any EMR. No. But no. they can get an Epic product. That's right. And so yep. eventually they're going to going to succumb yep. to that need. Right. And the question is, who pays for it? Because yep. once it's all paid for and moving forward, it is going to save. A lot of money without a doubt for whom not for the physicians not for the providers yeah. it's going to save money for the insurance companies That's and right. the hospitals the payer right the payer the payer so yeah. so it all makes sense it's is it better medicine and safer medicine yeah I, I would have to say it's going to contribute to better care yeah but from the financial standpoint that should not be funded by yeah. the provider yeah. you know in the hospital's sure. fund hospitals, i remember hospitals Dr. are throwing Mark, all sorts of money at i was it, so in I get washington that. at a uh, a meeting on healthcare back in 2015, mm-hmm. and this uh, vendor who had an EMR system at the time, I think they sold it to somebody. They took us to dinner and they said, "We want to tell you about our bidirectional interoperability <laughs> EMR system." Well, we got into the dinner, asked him three questions, and the guy turns around and he says, "Well, you're right. We don't have bidirectional interoperability." Yeah. What? What? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they kind of use that term to thinking. There would be no reason you'd need to know what that even means. That's right. But That's right. Uh, but we have a reason to know. We and, do. 
And so it's going to be fascinating to see where Epic goes. I, you know, obviously it's a good product. It's it's done really really well. Yep. It's yep. not it's not growing just because of their marketing department. It's it's yep. going to hospitals and it's working. Yep. So other hospitals are looking. Yep. You know, when a group like HCA decides they're going to throw away yep. their lunk of junk yep. and do something with Epic, right? That's going to jump this number way up, right? And that expansion will have to be looked at. But but. Honest, honestly, yeah. there's there's a number, right? There is a number. There's a number when, and, and this could happen in a state before it happens in the nation. Yes, yes. where where they have a monopoly, and it's gonna yeah. it, that's gonna become an issue. Yeah, well, you know, we're talking about the top ten issues facing physicians, but when we get to this, when we talk about interoperability, it's estimated that twenty to twenty five percent of all services in America are repetitious. If we go to an eight trillion dollar healthcare system. Do the math as to what we don't need to do in repetition, Dr. Martin. Do the math. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You've got Dr. Mark and Larry Jones, and we're having a really uh, nice time here in the studio. We've had some good topics. We yes. started on the uh, top 10 issues facing physicians this year, yep. and we did one. We did one. I don't think we're going to hit all 10, We Larry. may not get to ah, all okay. 10. We'll, we'll save it for okay. another time. Yeah, well, let's just, let's just keep going. Yep. So the next one is going to be burnout and work-life balance. And you know, Dr. Mark, you've been a practicing physician for 23 years. How did that impact you personally? Well, I tell you, we were talking about that today, and when I was yep. at Grace Medical Home, we were talking uh-huh. about burnout because, as I mentioned in the first segment, you know, one way to treat burnout in, in a sense is to be able to do what you love to do in an right. environment that gives you that reward that you you got into the business for, right? And you know, burnout affects everybody in some way or another, right? Right, um, and it, it can be it can be fatal. Well, it comes you know, then it, with burnout comes stress. Yep, and well, I mean, yeah. it, it it can lead to you people not practicing. It can right. absolutely stress, depression, suicide. Okay. Yep, I mean, it's it's a real, real thing. So, so you. what's important is being able to recognize it and do something about it. And I'm not going to stand here and say yeah. that I was great at work life balance. Okay, um, or or at avoiding burnout. Were you pretty much a workaholic. Yeah, well, I think you know a, mo- a lot of us. Most, most physicians are. They are, and you get into yeah. you get into independent practice, yep. private practice, and, and it's all on you. It's all on you because if you, right. if you take a day off, 
that's a day that your patients, you're not available to them. Right. And that's also a day that you're not paying your own. You're not making any money. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of stress to that. So some might say, well, you know what? Independent practice, that's higher burnout. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, you know, the American American Medical Association 10 years ago did a survey, and I remember this very clearly, Dr. Mark. The number one issue brought up by physicians was not having enough personal time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we kind of laugh a little bit because Mm -hmm. the first thing that this next generation that I'm training, Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes up in discussions is work-life balance. Exactly. And, And it's... I would say that everyone, all the on the professoral side, you know, all the teachers and all, all the providers, they get that. Yep. And it's this we're in a transition right now where they can they sort of like chuckle, yep. but at the same time yep. they know it's real. Absolutely. And they know it's important. And yep. and I think we in in previous generations would would always kind of look at this like, well, I picked this. I picked right. a profession right. where I don't have work life balance. Oath. That's right. Right. That's right. So so the the more appropriate and newer attitude is, well, how do I maintain yep. Yep. my my profession and have work life yep. balance? It was just yep. never a question before. Well, you know, it's interesting. More and you can probably answer this better than anybody. As you know, today more than half of residency students are becoming employed physicians with the hospital today. Well, it's easy. And it's yeah. it's easy and it's cost effective. Yep. And, and they have their work life balance. Yeah. Because I think the one of the things yeah. that worries med students and residents the most is mm-hmm. the debt that they've created. Right. So when you can go to a place that says, hey, we're going to pay you this much that's or right. we're going to knock out your debt, that's right. that is that, huge. That's actually going to decrease the stress that's financial stress. Huge. But burnout in employed physicians isn't different from burnout in independent practice physicians. Okay. It's just there's a give and a take, right? right. And so there's right. there's certainly stats that will tell you, you know, what the the pieces are in each mm-hmm. each part of that puzzle and they may be different things. Well, you know, you're you, leading right into the third one, Dr. Mark. Uh-oh. Third party interference. Right. So keep talking. Well, so so I think <laughs> You know where we're going yeah, with this. Exactly. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So so I think in independent practice there's a certain level of satisfaction that you get that you do not That's get right. as an employed physician. That's right. However, there's a certain amount of financial stability yep. that you might get if you're employed. And but, security. But I'll tell you, yep. Larry, mm-hmm. That's a fake fake net. It's not real, okay? okay? Because at the same time that you think that, well, I, I know I'm going to get my paycheck yeah. every every two weeks, and I get yeah. this, I get that, until you don't yeah. because you're no longer and in charge. And the honeymoon's over in two to three years. Yeah, right. You know, you're, right. You're no longer in That's charge right. of the decision of this is how I want to do yep. things. Yep. You, and it, it works for some people. And, maybe and, it works for and lots you know of that people. You, you're hitting on something that I want to talk about here, Dr. Mark, and that's third-party interference. Okay, tell me Today, about that. Who's practicing medicine? Is it the payers? Is it the insurance companies? Right. Is it the policies? Is it the hospital administration? Or is it the doctor? Yeah, it's not the doctor. <laughs> and I, I mean, knew you were you know, going to say that. I mean, yeah, there's there are and that's there sad. Are, there are too many players in that field, and and yes. and, and it's inevitable. Yep. it's inevitable. Yep. It, it there's almost no way to do it, and no matter what medical system or model that you're following it's going to be really hard to sail your own ship, right? Right. right. You, you got to have these relationships. Yep. But I would, I would argue that it's not the existence of all the different groups. Mm-hmm. It's the relationships between them. Right. There's, there's too much of a competitive edge on provider versus those other groups, yes. those other groups versus each yes. other. 
and it's all over the dollar, not over right, the care. Right, right. Well, you know, there's a number of things. When you look at the hospital piece, if you're a hospital-employed physician, mm -hmm. they want you to refer within the hospital system. Right. If you're an independent physician and you're having to deal with the payer and you get prior authorizations and the payer says no, right? how do you deal with that as a Right. It's treating your patient. Right. Absolutely. So, so you've got yeah. that other stressor. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then on the flip side mm -hmm. is, is number four on the list yep. is inadequate reimbursement. There you go. Right. So inadequate reimbursement hits you as the independent physician yes. because that's your bottom line. Right. 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 And you're, and you want to do what you want to do. Right. And if you're going to get paid less, you're going to get paid less. Right. Now right. at the hospital, if you take that attitude at some point, they're going to be able to show that you're not earning as much money as you're getting paid. You're not seeing as many patients, and right. you're spending too much time with your patients. And we talked about that last and, week. And if we're Dr. giving Martin. if we're giving yep. you this salary, they can use the the stark excuse yep. that we're yep. overpaying you. So we don't have to fire you, but we can't yep. continue yep. to pay you at this yep. rate. So now you've got this other stress. Like, okay, well, I've either got a I've got either got to flip on my work life mm -hmm. balance. And I got to pick it up a notch and I got to spend less time with my patients and I've got to see more. Right. Or, right. or I got to, I got to get paid less. And what, what's the end point of either of those things? Exactly. How, how far do I have to go? Yep. How yep. many more patients or how, how much, much less compromise money do I have to make as exactly. an independent physician or even any physician, any physician? Yeah. No, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. And it works on both sides. So let me ask you, Dr. Mark, before we get into the next one, you're a Dean of a college. You see these kids coming through medical school is any of this discussed with them at any point in time? I discuss it with them. Okay. So, so, and, okay. and it, and, and so a lot of their mentors and their, their faculty advisors, I, okay. I said, I said a lot, that's not true, Yeah. Okay. but a number of them will. Okay. Um, we have a lot of folks that we have both employed physician and independent practicing physicians that train our, our docs, mm -hmm. our young, our, our students and our PA students the same way. So they hear these things from those who understand them, but it, it's difficult because some people are just burnt out and angry. Yeah. And the yep. story that they tell is not typically very helpful. Right. Okay. And, and others are more thoughtful, but do they really have the time to sit back and come yeah. up with a plan? Yeah. But well, economically, can you see more patients now? That's the issue, yeah, right, right. especially if you're an employed physician. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a numbers game. Yeah, it's absolutely it a numbers, numbers game. game. And, and yeah. that's what we've seen. If you talk to, like our parents and now us and we, you know, people who have had exposure over decades to the medical care mm -hmm. system. That's the thing they're going to tell you is, yeah, you know, you used to spend time with your doctor yeah. and yeah. now it's, it's quite selective. Well, the average is seven minutes for a primary care visit today. Oh well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. You saw that. Yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah, that yeah, last that, week. That, I think. And like I say, that's the average. That's right. Right. That's right. And so, cause some of the primary care visits, visits, there's so much going on that they can be really long, which exactly. means in order to make that balance yeah. seven minutes, there's yeah. some really short visits. That's right. And even That's if right. your visit is, I, I went to see my primary care uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. yep, so, okay. So, and it was the first face-to-face -face visit in a couple of years. Okay. And I don't have any big issues to talk about. Right. So just think about that. So you've but been seeing that, the practitioner no, no, the past, no, we did it. No, we did it uh, virtually. Oh, te oh tele yeah, telehealth. Yeah, telehealth. Yep, okay. Telehealth okay. for the last two years. Wow. And so, uh, so yeah, so it's, so even that I, I, I didn't use a stop clock, you know, okay. when I, when I left, I right. felt, I felt like we'd spent enough time That's good. and, but there was a conversation about teaching and teaching students yeah. and, and the yeah. answer that, that my primary care physician gave me was, 
yeah, you know, I really want to teach students, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's a very good atmosphere because we just have to go room to room to room and we're in, we're out. And it's just not a good teaching environment. And I totally get that. Yeah. You know, know, and, and again, you know, we've, we've been involved with UCF college of medicine for a long time under IPN, as you well know, you've been in many of those meetings. And one of the issues that UCF college of medicine had is they were trying to attract the independent doctors to not only practice what they do, but also be whether they're educators or do research in the, in right. the, so in they're the, splitting in their the time. system, splitting, splitting their, their time, time. and yeah. not reimbursing you for it. That's right. And, and that's, that's another thing at the, at the medical schools of old, mm-hmm. the people who taught could use lower volume teaching or lower volume methods so they could mm-hmm. teach more. Right. And now when you sign a contract, they say, okay, you are a 70, 30, yeah. like you're 70% exactly. clinical yep. time, yep. you're 30% of research or your 10% research yep. and 20% yep. education. Yep. And they track that. And guess what that leads to? Burnout. Exactly. So, so even the academicians. Stress. So it used yep. to be the academic place was a place where you could settle in, you'd get a, a, a good salary, and you knew that was going to be a stable salary because mm-hmm. they're less likely to yep. dismiss you than than an institution right. that's not right. an institution of education. Right. And they're also less likely to be looking at your bottom line they don't. They right. didn't have the Stark issues yeah. because most of the folks were, you know, covered. They were they were mm-hmm. instructors, and about the, I would say it was about the mid nineties. Okay, when universities started turning around and saying to the deans of their colleges and saying, "No, you got to make sure your people gotta, are earning right, right, right and right. you got to make sure they're billing correctly, Support it. and you got to make sure when there's a resident there, there's always yeah. an attending there because yeah. the attending needs to be the one doing the billing, right? And so things things really yeah. changed." For academicians as well. Okay. Well, you know, under the UCF model, they have two UCF health clinics. Right. One near UCF in on, on University Boulevard, and one in Lake Nona, and those docs and and they've grown dramatically. Right. But the problem is, I've talked to several of their doctors. They'll be fifty percent practice, thirty percent teaching, twenty percent research. And the problem is when patients get used to seeing a certain doctor in these clinics, they're not available. Right. No, and that is, and that yeah. that really affects a number of things. Mm-hmm. It affects the quality of the care they receive, right. but most dramatically affects whether they're going to come back in. That's exactly right. right. And yep. when they don't come back in, they don't receive that care, that follow-up, or they're starting all over again somewhere else. Yeah. And so yep. their their care is disrupted or ineffective. So, so yep. it really... You know, we don't just spend time with our patients because they need the time. You're developing the relationship. Right. And right. That, that relationship is going to add yeah. to why there's another visit. Yeah. And, well, see, you know, it would, that, may, really it would be interesting to me. You said the first time you've seen your PCP in two years, it's all been telehealth. Right. I wonder how strong that relationship can really be. Right, that, right. That no, I, I think I think after a while, and it's all your personality. Well, I'm sure it know. was good with you because you're also a physician. Right. But what about the average person? No, I told, I, think, I think I would have gotten tired. You know where of I'm too. going? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, we'll pick up on. Uh, we'll see if we can finish this top ten list in the last segment. Okay. You're listening to Healthcare Now: The Truth About U.S. Healthcare. Our website is BehindHealthCareNow.com. That's BehindHealthCareNow.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The 
integrated, independent physicians network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Take the answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You have found the Healthcare Now studios. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we're going to continue our discussion of the top 10 issues facing physicians this year. And, you know, when you when we read that title, it sounds like I'm only talking to physicians, but it's been nothing like that. Not I mean, at all. This is this affects those issues the, the affects everybody. Yeah, absolutely. In healthcare, right? And it's not about whining that oh, the poor no. physicians or anything like that. It's really, really. A well, you d- know, we thing. we talk about why we developed this show, Doctor Marcus, to have an honest conversation about how to navigate our U.S. healthcare system. That's really what right. we're talking and, about. And patients need to need to understand their hospitals. They need to right. understand their doctors. Right. They right. need to understand their pharmacy. And so, one the next one on the list is lack of staffing. And lack of staffing has made the news like never before since COVID. Crazy. I mean, we lost yep. 50% of our staff employees in the hospital. In the hospital. Yeah. And that is unimaginable in a situation where there were huge numbers of yep. patients coming yep. in as inpatients. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were seeing fewer patients in the ER. So there were certain areas right. that saw drops in busyness. And mm-hmm. so you could see people getting moved around yep. from there. But wow. I mean, but, you know, I actually interviewed a floor nurse in one of the large hospital systems for, for an RN position in our case management. And I asked her, I said, on an average day, how many patients do you take care of in your shift? She said six. Wow. Six wow. patients. Six patients. So she's responsible for six patients on that. In that shift. And, and so, in a 12-hour yeah, shift. I mean, so, yeah. so that's that. We talked about that nurse to patient ratio right. and, and how concerning that is. So so that that affects again, not just the physicians by any means, very and much. And it went affects, from four to six. Yeah. 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 Man, that's yeah, that is rough. And we have talked about the, the lack of nursing nurses. I think it indicated that by twenty twenty five there'd be eighty thousand nursing shortage in America. But it's not just nurses, Dr. Mark. You no, know, no. we we work with almost a thousand physicians throughout central Florida in 12 counties, we get calls all the time for, could you help me find an office manager? Could right. you help me find a med tech? Yep. Or could you help me find a nurse? Yep, absolutely. No, we, yep. And and it's crazy because you see people going into a lot of programs to learn to be all these things. Right, right. But there absolutely is this the lack of staffing. Right. And, when, and when you have staffing turnover, it's expensive, it's frustrating, it's not good for the uh, well, office We're talking flow. billing, coding, all these specialties. Oh, yeah. so when you big, were big practicing problem. for so many years – what kind of turnover did you experience through the years? So again, the advantage of that independent practice was mm-hmm. it, we were we were like a family business. Okay. Okay. So yeah. so we did not have that. much turnover at okay. all. Okay. Uh, I mean, my my first office manager 
uh, was with me a good 15 years. Oh, wow. And, uh, and my, and my second was my second, you know, I mean, it's, okay. I mean, we had, mm-hmm. we had, there, there, some people might come in in certain positions that we thought they would matriculate on to be, yep. you know, so you had manager. one office manager, 15 of the 23 years yeah. you practiced. Yeah, absolutely. That's impressive. And my, my finance person yeah. about the same, about the same amount of okay. time, Okay. um, a little more turnover in, uh, well, not, not turnover, just, yep. uh, transition in MAs. We had very few people that had rapid, mm-hmm. Rapid turnover. We had well, like no rapid turnover. Yeah. Well, we've noticed during the pandemic and particularly after the pandemic, offices are struggling to keep people. Front desk can be the hardest thing. Front desk and billers and coders. Well, a lot of third parties have gone to that, right? Yes. And so yes. When, it's another challenge is once, yep. once you are a certain size practice, taking yep. that out of house That's might right. make sense. Outsource it. But, but keeping yep. it in-house when it's smaller yep. is definitely uh, definitely financially advantageous. Yes, so, no question. So that is a tough one. Yep. All right, so staffing is going to be a problem mm-hmm. we're going to have to face. And the next one, it, it's, it's tricky. This is right up your alley. It is. Well, I guess because I, I, I have trust issues. Is that what you're telling me? No, no. <laughs> so the next one is lack of trust in healthcare institutions. Right. And again, this and is And I kind of tie that to the educational part of physicians as well. That's why yeah. I said this right up your alley. Well, I, I, think it's, I think it's more a part of who are, who are we in this for, right? Okay. And because and, there was a time not, not all that long ago that it was really a team effort between administration and physicians. And that has has become a much more antagonistic relationship. Much more. Um, yeah. I, and I'll tell you that the hospitals don't want to admit that. Uh, right. And I'm I'm sure you know the the party line is they just don't don't want that to be the case. And they they look for ways to to diminish diminish that that mm-hmm. discussion. In fact, not, while they're not really necessarily addressing the actual issue okay. as to why and a lot of the lot of lack of trust is history, right? It, it, it doesn't really mean that it's going on now, mm-hmm. but there's a, a history of lack of trust. Well, where is the trust time. founded, Dr. Mark, the trust, lack of trust in what? So the, the trust that you, that you, the hospital is here for the same reason that I am. As a physician. As a physician. Okay. I'm here I because you. I want to give my patients the best care. I got it. And that's priority one. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to say that expense has nothing to do with anything because, right. you know, we've all, we're all grown up and we understand but, but that. But do we have but, the same agenda? Yeah. So yeah. It, so if you listed my top five things that are important to me as a physician, okay. as, a, as it goes to my patient, your top five are certainly not in the same order as mine. Right. And they may they may not match up, you know, yep. three out of five. Well brick and mortar comes into play in the hospital system. Well they, they have a they have their own stressors and they're now they're now run by non providers. Exactly. Um and, and non clinical and, and, people. And people yep. looking to to create a, a better mousetrap are trained to do things in the in the yep. accounting world, in right. the legal world, in the political world. Yep. And these are worlds that physicians don't really dabble in That's and, right. and I'm sure That's we were right. doing really poorly in that side of the game. Yep. But at the end of the day, were we delivering better care is, right. is the question. And I'll just exactly. leave that, leave that as a question. Okay. All right. Next we've got recruiting young physicians. So if you yeah. are in a department, That's another one I thought would be up your alley because oh, sure. you're doing it all the time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so if you're looking at, this doesn't matter if you're in private practice, small private practice might mm. You know, the hardest time is for a practice of one to go to two. Exactly. Right. You're never going to have that big a jump again. That's right. Right. That's right. And so, or if you're in a, it's usually an investment early on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Unless you're in the hospital 
And then that investment doesn't become nearly as important, right. but neither does the individual That's because right. now they look at that individual like, That's well, right. you know, we're going to get them and see how that goes. If it doesn't go well, whatever. Yeah. Whereas when you're in private practice and you're in a smaller group, yep. you're, you got a lot more riding on that relationship. Yeah. I've heard, making it work. I've heard this comment, Dr. Mark, if you want to be a commodity as a physician, join a hospital. If you want to practice as a physician, go independent. Yeah, and, and there, that, there, that's probably true, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's exceptions to every yeah, rule, yeah. but but that is that is one of the things that you're giving up as being part of a big system. Right. And I, I suppose if you were in a non-hospital based large practice, mm-hmm. there's a piece of that too. But yep. I don't know. Yep. It depends on who's running the practice. Right. And I think when we see those provider run institutions, there's just mm-hmm. more trust from top to bottom. And, yep. and that's, that's yep. really where they're going with. So that goes back to, I jumped all the way back to trust. You did. But when we're trying to recruit young physicians, how do you convince the young physician that there's more yep. to life than them paying off their loans in the first two right. years that, that, you know, if you want to own something at the end of the day, yep. you need to come into an area where you can have a partnership right. and you're not going to get that in an right. employed model. Right? We have a number of physicians today that call me and say, Larry, I'm looking for a partner. Of course. And I would prefer it to be a med student coming into, into private practice. Right. And I, and I think that's how the small practices are going to, it's going to be convincing individuals and mm-hmm. specific situations. Uh, you know, yep. Now there, there are some specialties that just can almost not exist without being in part of a university system right, or a hospital right. system. The hospital yeah. base. Yeah. And well, there, there, well, there's some, there's some subspecialties too, that just don't okay. reimburse, reimburse right, well right, enough. Right. Like, you know, nephrology is tough. It, you can't yeah. be a one-off nephrologist very easily. Exactly. Now, you can be in a large group. That's right. That and you has, normally will be in a large group. That has yep. contracted with a hospital or yeah. be employed yeah. by the hospital. Or has I mean, dialysis centers or whatever. Right. Yeah. How about yeah. pediatric endocrinology? Yeah, I mean that's a tough one yeah. to be out there all by yourself. That is right? a tough one. So, so there there are certain ones that that lend themselves to being pediatric neurology is another one. Yeah, yeah, poorly yeah. reimbursed, yeah. Yeah. and and we've seen that in our town where yeah. one by one they've gone gone in, you know, they've moved or sure. they've gone into practice sure. with the hospitals. Well, before we get off this topic, you had mentioned last week or the week before when we were on the on the air that it, you average about ten percent or estimate about ten percent of students that go into med school can actually pay their way as they go and not incur severe debt. That has to be a huge piece yeah. of recruiting young physicians today. Yeah. And, and I think it's probably, it's less than 10% that come okay. out with no debt. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, that, that is a huge piece. And, and if you've got groups out there that are going to knock off a chunk of that debt, that's going to be very attractive. Absolutely. Very attract those groups. Yep. So the next one's a really important one, and maybe the last one we get have time to cover. Yep, probably, but that's malpractice tort reform. Yep. And although malpractice discussions have become less in the news in the last ten it years, has. prior malpractice to malpractice premiums have gone down dramatically since the mid two thousand five right. two thousand eight. So, so when there was this crazy peak when they doubled yep. and tripled, yep. Yep. so they've they've gotten back down but it's you know it's well, still all but three of those companies left florida yeah, back in everybody those days. left yeah they exactly left. Yeah. yeah and, and yeah. In other states too nevada right. had a huge That's problem right. so so tort reform though mm-hmm. is specific it's not really talking about the malpractice that right. uh, cost it's talking tort about tort reform impacts that malpractice impacts that premium right yeah so basically what that is is that's looking at the amount of money that someone can collect from a medical malpractice Event. Based on punitive and, damages. And, well, it depends. Yeah. It's whatever it is. Right. And right, so right. so every state has their different 
attitude and number with this. Mm-hmm. Some some are really interesting. Like Indiana has a really interesting setup where they they right. do things, and right. their their medical malpractice costs are very low. Yep. Their settlement rate is very high. Mm-hmm. So they really did it well. And I'll t- I'll give you a secret as to why they did it well. Okay. The whole program was set up by a governor in the seventies. He was a doctor. Oh wow! He took money. That explains that he took money yeah. and started a, a a essentially an endowment mm-hmm. in the state, and then had physicians contribute to that endowment every year. Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of paying medical malpractice insurance, they're paying into that chunk. Right. And there was a limit right. on if you got a settlement or you got yeah. a decision at at court. There was a maximum amount that you could get, right? And it, it was well, never. Is, it wasn't a hundred million dollars. And that's what right. that's what tort reform is all about. Right. In Florida, several years ago, when they did in fact uh, change the tort reform laws based on the legislature in Tallahassee, the average malpractice claim today is just under seven hundred thousand dollars in the state of Florida. The average, yeah. The malpractice laws in Florida allow five hundred thousand dollars from a physician. And five hundred thousand dollars from a hospital. So if you add the two together, it it's more than what the average claim. So I'm not sure the tort reform laws had much to do with impacting no, premiums in Florida. No, that, yeah, they actually didn't get you passed. Yeah, yeah, they didn't get yeah. passed the way you're thinking. And that's that, right. we, we don't have time that's to get right. through all of it, but it really got down to a battle between yep. the 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 groups that were trying to fix a number at quarter of a million for per, for damages mm-hmm. you know outside that's of right. cost that's right and and the the bar association the florida yep. bar yep. and basically they created these other laws yep. that made it they had a three strikes law that if you were sued three times you'd lose your license right and and i remember so, that so yeah. so yeah. there was this big back and forth yep. and at the end of the day we didn't get anywhere yeah dr well, mark next yeah, week we're going to talk about blood pressure which okay. is one of the top two chronic illnesses in America. All right, I'll study up. And also, we're going to talk about one of the large systems that owns the most physicians in America. Got it. See you next week, Larry. Okay. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. On Healthcare Now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.